The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn Senior News Editor for Job Searches and Careers. Each week on Get Hired, we talk about leveling up. Sometimes we talk about finding work. Other times we talk about excelling where you are right now. And through it all, we focus on how to stay true to yourself in the process. Now that graduation season is behind us, there is a whole new crop of people joining the workforce. First of all, welcome. It's much less scary than I know it can seem, and we're here to help you get set. Secondly, not all recent grads have the same plans or opportunities. So today, my guest, Austin Belsack, who is a career coach and LinkedIn top voice, is here to help jumpstart your time in the workforce. We're starting by talking about grads who maybe don't have anything lined up just yet. How should folks who don't yet know what their next steps are dive into the job search pool? Here's Austin. My best advice is, is to cast a wide net at first and start tracking what you're doing and really start to work to understand where your results are coming from. So the way that I tell people to approach this is to start with 10 to 15 companies that you're really, really excited about. So rather than just showing up on a job board and saying, okay, what are the new roles today? Do I like them? And if I do, maybe I'll you know hit easy apply or submit an online app. Instead, getting a little bit more targeted and saying, all right, this is the space that I want to be in. And here are 10 to 15 companies that are in that space that also align with my personal values and where I want to go with my career and what I care about. And then we can go really, really deep on those specific companies, researching them to learn a little bit more about what their goals look like for the next six to 12 months, what challenges they may be facing, what initiatives they're rolling out. And then we can really work to build a case and a narrative that aligns our experience to the company's goals, right? Helping them achieve the things that they're hoping to achieve. And then we can get out and we can start building relationships. And typically, I recommend that we try to identify around 10 to 15 people at all of these target companies. So around 100 to 150 people total. And these folks should either be on the hiring team or they should be able to refer you in. Or they should be able to give you some additional info and context around some of those goals, challenges, and initiatives that we spoke about. And then the hope is that we build relationships with those folks and we work to turn them into advocates who not only refer us into these companies, but who are going to go to bat for us, who are going to go to the hiring manager and say, hey, I have this awesome guy, Andrew, who I've been talking to for a couple of weeks. You know, he just graduated. He has some awesome experience. And I think we really need to get him in the door for an interview. That's going to be your best bet to stand out from the, the immense amount of competition that you're likely going to be facing in traditional channels and give you the best shot of getting your value recognized. Totally. And, you know, some people, they do have internships lined up. When I graduated from grad school, I had an internship and fellowship. For people who are find themselves in that position, what should they be doing to maybe turn that internship into a full-time job? Definitely. So there's a couple of things that you want to do when you land an internship that are really going to help you maximize the, the outcomes of that experience. A couple of the mistakes that I see people make when they start is 
they kind of show up and they hope that the company is going to have this blueprint for them that's going to give them everything that they want. And that's not typically the case. Instead, you know, the company might have some idea of what they want you to do. Maybe it's working on one specific project or maybe it's supporting a specific initiative or whatever it is. And there are varying degrees of, uh, I would say, structure for these internships. And instead of letting the company dictate you know, your outcomes and what you get from this experience, I think it's much better to put yourself in the driver's seat. And the best way to do that to start is to think about what specifically you want to get out of this role. So if we want to capitalize on this internship, one thing that we can do is think about the exact experience we want to build. When we say, okay, I want to have a full-time job in this specific space, maybe this specific role, maybe these specific sets of companies, what exact experience do I need to be competitive? And then how can I work my way back to the internship that I'm in now to create a plan to enable me to get that experience? So that's the first thing I would do so that when you start, you can make sure that the experience that you're getting is aligned to your goal of you know, generating results or outcomes that align with the area that you want to get into. The second thing that I would say is just networking as much as you possibly can. This is another area that is a little bit murky for a lot of folks. You know, A lot of people know they need to network, but not many people know exactly how to actually go out there and execute on it. So one of the, the things that can help you really make this easier is just tapping into the pool of folks that are available you know, to you right now. When you're starting an internship, you can essentially play that new employee or new intern card, and that will get you in the door with a lot of folks. So my recommendation would be to get out there and specifically try to locate the people who are working in the roles that you would want to get hired into down the road. And I would set up time, I would offer to buy them coffee, and I would say, okay, one, can you tell me you know, about your job in your own words? Like I've heard it in the job description, in the interviews, but I want to hear it from you. What do you do on a day-to-day basis? And then I might ask them about the biggest challenge that their team is facing or you know, the biggest opportunity that their team has in front of them right now. And then finally, I might ask them for their best piece of advice for an intern or somebody who's new at the company. So through that, you're going to build some rapport with these folks who are in a position to you know, influence your ability to get hired. And then at the very least, you know, are able to give you a lot of information that will help you understand how to best position yourself to get hired into these roles at another company. And then third, what I would do is make a point to actually get the results. I've talked to a lot of folks who go into internships and then they leave and I say, well, what happened there? You know, you, you worked on this project. I see it on your resume. What was the outcome? And they tell me, well, Austin, you know, I don't know. I was only there for three months. So how could I possibly have any outcomes? Or, you know, I was just an intern. I, I didn't really do anything meaningful. And both of those things are, are kind of damaging, right? Especially the second one for our self-talk. But then the first one, because we're not actually getting the results that we want. So I'd say two things here. The first is that you need to understand that if you're a part of a team, and that team achieves an outcome, you were a part of that outcome and you can absolutely take credit for those results. Now, this isn't to say you can show up and be like, you know, yeah, I did this specific thing and this was all me. But instead you can say, hey, I was part of this team that achieved this really awesome result. And and here's the specific thing that I did. In terms of actually getting those results, the best piece of advice I can have is at the very end of your internship, send an email to every single person that you interacted with and just ask them if you can keep the lines of communication open. And they'll likely say yes. So then when they do get those results, you can check back in and you can just set a calendar invite too, right? We might not know exactly when the results come. So maybe a month down the road, three months down the road, we set a calendar invite and we just follow up with them and we say, you know, hey, Andrew, hope you're doing well. Obviously, it's been a couple months since uh, the internship ended, but I know we were really excited about the launch of this specific initiative. 
And I just wanted to check in and see, you know, how to go. Like, did, did you hit the numbers that you were hoping for? Did you all run into any challenges or did any new questions come up? And so that creates the space for, you know, in this case, you, Andrew, or, or whoever that person is to share with you exactly what came out of it. And now you can take those results. You can put them on your resume. You can put them on your LinkedIn profile. You can work them into the interviews that you have. And that's just going to make you a more competitive candidate than all the other folks who can only talk about the actions that they took. And they're not able to speak to the exact value that they drove. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really good advice. And I guess for people who are lucky enough to have a job lined up after graduation, what would you say is the advice for them? It's pretty much the same type of setup. I would say, actually, to take a step back, the the change would really be in the type of connections that you're making. If you're already hired into this specific role, really who, who we're looking to impress, right, are the people on our team and then also the people who can have that impact on our future, right? So when we think ahead to that next promotion or even two promotions down the line, who are the people that we need to know? Who are the people that need to understand the value that we bring to the table? And those are going to be the people that we add to our list. So again, as that new employee, you have the new person card. And most people are going to go out of their way to talk to the new person, but you only have about a three month window to make this happen before, you know, the newness wears off. And the best thing that I can recommend is to create that list of people who, again, are going to have the ability to influence your trajectory. And I'm going to email one of them every single weekday, and I'm going to aim to get coffee with one of them every single weekday. And I'm going to do the exact same thing where we sit down and I ask them questions and Two of the questions are going to be the same. One is going to be different. So the two questions that are going to be the same are, you know, I'd love for you to explain your role in your own words. And then obviously, you know, what's your best piece of advice for a new person at this company? You're going to get so many great pieces. What I would say is take these and put them in a spreadsheet. And when somebody gives you the same piece of advice, just add like a plus one in the column next to it. And then what you can do is after you've talked to, you know, 20, 30 people, you can go back and look and see, okay, you know, I'm going to filter by most frequently mentioned all the way down to, you know, least frequently mentioned. And now, you know, like, okay, these are, these are the pieces of advice I should really be taking because this is what multiple people have told me. And these are people who have been really successful at the company. The new question that I want you to add into this mix is basically saying to the person, you know, if you could wave a magic wand and have my team do or change or create anything that would make your job easier, what would that be? And by asking this question, essentially what we're doing is, is getting the blueprint for how we can help this person. And truly, the way that we build great relationships is by adding value to others. And if you're able to affect some of that change in, in some capacity or another, that's going to give you a, a lot of social capital with that person, which you can then cash in on when it comes time for that promotion, when it comes time for that raise, when it comes time to get on that project that you were you know, really, really hoping for when you took this job. You're going to have invested in these people. They're going to be ready to invest back in you. So pretty much the same advice you know, at a high level, but the way that we implement it, the way that we think about it and the scope of it is a slight adjustment for folks who have jobs versus folks who are just going into internships right now. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, Austin tackles some common mistakes new job seekers make and how to nip them in the bud. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. 
From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. We're back with career coach Austin Belsack. What's your advice for people who maybe feel lost and also how to avoid common mistakes once they're entering the workforce? Yeah, so you're speaking about me here, Andrew. Like, this is my background, right? I, I graduated from college. I had a biology degree. I had terrible grades and I had no idea what the heck I wanted to do. So I graduated from school and I just took this job that sort of aligned with my degree and what I could get into. And, and I absolutely hated it. So I had to make an entire career pivot within the first couple of years of my career. And that was really freaking hard, to be honest. You know, I went through the traditional channels and that didn't work for me. You know, I applied to over 300 places in two months when I started my job search. I got a big fat zero in terms of results and offers. And so I had to pivot and kind of create my own system. So if I could share some advice with the people out there who are, are getting out into the world and aren't really sure what's right for them, or maybe feel like they, they took a misstep, right? I just want you to know, first and foremost, that that's totally normal. I think it's a, a ridiculous expectation that we're supposed to know exactly what we're supposed to do for the rest of our lives so early on. How could you ever expect somebody who's, you know, 18 to 21 years old to know that, you know, all of us included. And so I actually just posted about this today, how I don't have a five-year plan and I don't have a 10-year plan. I have a one-year plan because 10 years ago, I wanted to be a doctor. Then, you know, seven years ago, I was working in medical device sales. And then five, six years ago, I got my job at Microsoft. And now I help people with careers. Like my career path has been all over the place. So the biggest thing I can say to people who are feeling this is that one, it's normal to feel this way. But in terms of taking action, that's really the best thing that you can do is to get out there and explore and act on this stuff. So the way that I like to frame this up is to start by thinking about what you're curious about. What are you interested in now if what you're doing is not so interesting anymore? And then can you go find people who are doing this new thing? So let's say, you know, I was in medical device sales and I wanted to work in sales and technology. So can I go out and find people who work in technology sales? And can I reach out to them? And can I talk to them? Ask them, you know, what a day in their life looks like, what they love about their job, what they don't love about their job, because that's important to know too. And even more specifically, can I find people who jumped in from a non-traditional background? I love the features that LinkedIn has in its uh, search engine for this specific reason. One thing that I did was I made a list of 10 to 15 target companies. So, you know, Microsoft, Google, LinkedIn, Amazon, et cetera. And then I went and I made a list of 10 to 15 companies that were operating in the space that I was in in the moment. So the medical device sales space. So Johnson & Johnson, Stryker, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And basically what I'm getting at is if you can make a list of your 10 target companies and then 10 companies that are in the industry you're in now, you can actually go run a search for your target job title. Then you can use LinkedIn's current company filter to put in your target companies. And then you can go use their past company filter to put in the companies that align with your current industry. And what you're going to get is a list of people who used to work in, in your current industry, who now work in your target industry, who also work in the target roles that you're aiming for. And it's so easy to reach out to those people and say, hey, I saw that you made this transition. That is super cool. I'm trying to do something similar. And I just love to learn a little bit more about your journey and the obstacles you faced and the things that you did that employers bought into. So talking to these people is going to be the, the best first step. And then the next thing you can do is just get out there and try some of this stuff, like really dip your toe in the water, roll up your sleeves, 
try to find ways to build real world experience in these areas, but do it in a realistic fashion. So for me, what I landed on was a 30 day, I called it a mini pilot. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try this new space for 30 days. I'm going to give it 100% for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, I'm going to reassess. And if I still love this, I'm going to continue to double down. But if I don't, I'm going to give myself permission to quit because I don't want to continue investing in something that isn't right for me. Now I can confidently cross this off the list and then I can shift into my next mini pilot or you know my next phase of research. And then you can just rinse and repeat until you find something that's for you. And if you do this, yes, it requires some work up front. But once you have that clarity that this is the direction that I want to head in, you can focus 100% of your time and energy getting on that path. And then once you're on it, all the work that you do, all the experience you build, all the relationships you build, that's all going to compound and you're really going to be able to accelerate the trajectory of your career. How would you suggest that people, despite their circumstances, really reach out and build bridges and build a good support system and network for themselves? So the most important thing to realize about networking is first, who you are, right? So I'm also an introvert. So the idea of going you know, to a meetup or going to a conference and shaking all these people's hands, like that gave me so much anxiety. And when I did it, I was so burned out. I was so drained. And it the rest of my day was was essentially gone because I needed to recharge. So what I started to do was think about different ways that I could engage that that first felt authentic to me. And, and one way to do that was to connect with people I was genuinely excited and interested in talking to. So if I went to a conference, one, I didn't know anything about any of these people. And then two, you know, most of them weren't really like my people, if you know what I mean. But LinkedIn has totally changed that game. We can go to somebody's profile. We can see their background. We can see where they're from. We can see the content that they create and the comments that they leave. So we, we can very easily find people who are our people. And then we're excited to engage with them. And that right there just totally changes the game. When we create that energy for ourselves to say, hey, this person's really cool. And just from knowing them, that's going to benefit me. That's one of the easiest things that you can do. And then the second thing is to engage on your terms. So if you're remote and not in an office, or you know, if, if you're an introvert and don't want to meet face-to-face, engaging with people's LinkedIn content is such an easy way to start building these relationships, emailing people back and forth, right? Going into the DMs, all these are ways that we can communicate with people without having to meet them in person. So I think it's really important to, to start there as the foundation. And then what I would say is that you know the most important thing that I think people misunderstand about relationships is how they need to be built correctly. Relationships are like a bank account. If I withdraw more money than I have in my account, I'm going to overdraft my account. And that's really what relationships are all about. If I show up and I ask you, you know, hey, Andrew, I, I want to work for your team at LinkedIn. Can you refer me in? And we've never talked before. There's no deposits in, in this bank account. You know, I'm going to overdraw with you. You're going to ignore me. You might say no. And if I try to come back to you again, you might be like, oh, like here's this Austin guy again asking me for more stuff. <laughs> and that's not what we want. So instead, what we need to do is, is start making deposits into the bank account. And maybe, you know, I, I see that we have this LinkedIn live. And so maybe I share it with a whole bunch of people on my team. And I say, hey, Andrew, I know you have this live coming up with Austin. I shared it with a bunch of people on my team because I think they're going to get a lot out of it. Or maybe they see that you have a new podcast and maybe they want to go review that podcast. So just finding ways to make it about the other person first. That is really how great relationships are formed. And it's just a muscle. You just need to get out there and start practicing it. I would love if people could leave us a good review on my podcast, <laughs> Get Hired with Andrew Seaman. You can listen on Apple Podcast or wherever you like to listen. Uh, thank you, Austin. Thank you so much for another great and wonderful conversation. Thanks for having me, Andrew. That was Austin Belsack, a LinkedIn top voice, career coach, and founder of Cultivated Culture. 
Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. You can also join my weekly Get Hired live show every Friday on the LinkedIn news page. And if you like this episode, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people like you find the show. And of course, we'll continue this conversation next week, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Michelle O'Brien with help from Elias Savalos, Derek Carl, Gianna Prudenti, and Taisha Henry. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is head of news production. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.